0: Sasswut is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit SASWAT.com. This is Sasswut, a podcast about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined tonight by my pal, Mark Matske. Greetings from Southeast Ohio. And uh, it always throws me off (laughs) when you don't have a clever catchphrase. Um, So uh, we have gotten lazy here at Sasswut and have turned to our listeners for topics of conversation on episodes of Sasquatch. So tonight's episode is going to revolve around... Let me see. I want to get this right. Jason on Facebook uh, said, I'd like to hear you guys contrast Sasquatch encounters with some of the other prominent cryptids. So I think that's the best way of summing that up. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Sasquatch encounters and how they kind of um, are different from or parallel other uh, cryptids. So... And cryptid is a very broad kind of term, because there's quite a few cryptids, so we can we can go in any direction with this, and as with every episode of Saswat, we're pretty much going to do and say whatever we, we feel like, and whatever's on our minds, because we like to share our opinions on this show. Um, it's dangerous. It is dangerous. It's a dangerous <laughs> it's a thing. Very dangerous. The internet, <laughs> in general, is very dangerous. It's a scary place. Um Yeah. Yeah, you should see some of the... Um, I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, how have you been, Mark? I've uh, been good. We are uh,
1: getting ready to pack up and head to points north here pretty soon, so we're all excited. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we um, have some encounters of our own with various cryptids that fi- we're y- mentioning tonight.
0: You spend a lot of time in like Wisconsin, right? We do Wisconsin and also Canada. Okay. So this is the big Canada trip coming up. Okay. So have, I know we've talked about it because we talked about it on this very show before, but like, have you had any very unusual incidents happen when you were in Canada? Not there, but uh, in the lore of the area that we
1: go to, it is actually between 1913 and 1930. Mm Mm-hmm there were uh, lake monster reports wow. in the lake that we frequent. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It was sort of a classic uh, serpent body with the horse head. And uh, the, the folks who sort of tracked that thing said that the stories went away with the advent of the outboard motor. So I always thought that was kind of a cool sort of uh, segue moment. You know, as soon as those showed up, evidently it split or, you know, who knows what. Right. Swum down to the deeper depths of the lake. Which, uh, do you want to divulge which lake this was? Oh, sure. It's um, Lac Blue Sea in Quebec. Or in English, it sounds a lot less
0: impressive. It's Lake Blue Sea. Oh, yeah. Forget forget <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so wouldn't it be crazy if there's like tunnels connecting all these lakes and that's, that's the real... That's his escape that's route. That's the real story. Yeah, yeah it's like Loch Ness monster is actually swimming through these tunnels that somehow connect mm-hmm. Canada to Scotland, and uh, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Yeah, it's great. This is my next movie. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's talk about this. I I love this topic. I love this uh, idea for a topic because um, despite my seemingly level-headed approach to the subject of Bigfoot, I'm very into some of the more unusual kind of cryptid encounters and also uh UFOs and all that kind of stuff. So so anytime I get to to yammer on about uh cryptids in general, I get excited. I'm actually going through a phase right now where I'm watching a lot of old monster quest and that kind of stuff. So I just finished watching probably three different lake monster sort of TV documentary. So this this subject appeals to me. And obviously, like with future Small Town Monsters projects, I really want to branch out from traditional Bigfoot sightings and start talking about some of the more unusual cryptids like the Flatwoods Monster and Mothman and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So uh, the contrast, and we talked a little bit before we even started recording, which is unusual for us. Sometimes we just leap into recording and, and that seems to work or not work, depending on your opinion uh, for Mark and I. So Not work. <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that contrast between uh, kind of cryptids and, and traditional Bigfoot sightings. And I'm going to let you lead us off and, and take us to wherever you want to go. And I'm just going to chime in because I'm, I'm sure I'll have a lot to say on the subject. All
1: right. Well, how about we start with lake monsters since we're sort of there mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. Contrasting lake monsters and Bigfoot, well... I think maybe the obvious contrast is that a lake monster has a lot better chance of being concealed um, a much more vast area in which to hide than a Bigfoot would and uh, that would be you know the lead-off there is just the uh,
0: uh,
1: you know whatever cover is provided by forest I mean, that's multiplied by uh, water cover and, you know, the t- <laughs> the aforementioned tunnels and connecting uh, areas uh, between larger bodies of water. Um, so I, I guess all that is to say that the chances of seeing a lake monster seem to me to be a, a lot more slim, actually. I mean, you really would have to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, the conditions would have to be just so seeing as how there's a a lot of, you know, with water and uh, sunlight and angles of vision, there's a lot more um, potential optical illusions, I think, for a lake monster than maybe there would be for a
0: bipedal creature. So I've almost discounted, and I hate to say it because I love the idea of lake monsters, but I've almost discounted the idea, at least for myself, of lake monsters existing because of, like, the amount of things that can be misidentified in water like you know like swells and all that kind of stuff and then when you take into account realistically there would like take something like Loch Ness there'd have to be a some sort of breeding population of these things if it's still in there in uh in a in a giant lake I mean Loch Loch Ness is huge too It Mm -hmm. it can't like I looked it up on Google Earth and I've done that a couple times but I don't have figures in front of me. It's massive. Like, it's huge. So what you're saying is true, but I also think about, like, there'd there have to be some sort of breeding population, and you're telling me, like, at some point, one of these things didn't float dead to the surface, or one of them wasn't seen in the hundreds of expeditions that have been, you know, undertaken of the lock to find one. Um, so in a lot of ways, I've actually discounted the idea of... Of the lake monsters for myself, I've, maybe I'm just like a, 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 a ext- extremely like pessimistic old man. Though, like they they call me old man breed love at work, so maybe <laughs> right, it, it might be carrying over. I don't know. Um, the cryptid the cryptid curmudgeon, right, right. Maybe that's a new moniker.
1: But there is you
0: know, there is you're right. Like the when you take into account the the size of lakes and the amount of water on planet earth and all that kind of stuff. I have no problem in believing in like deep sea monsters, you know, like massive underwater monster. Like, I love that. And I think that is completely plausible because there's such a huge body of water, you know, huge bodies of water on, on planet earth that that's completely believable that something could hide in a, a territory like that. Uh, especially one that's—I mean—the oceans have been explored less than I mean, we know less about our oceans than we do outer space. Um, not outer space, but the space you know that we inhabit, and I find that fascinating. There's a there's a comic actually. Allow me to get nerdy for a minute here. There's a comic called The Wake, written by Scott Snyder, that kind of revolves around um, the bloop. It actually starts out with the bloop, and then kind of evolves into this giant story about mer creatures and hmm. in, invading our world and it's an amazing book any any comic fans out there read the wake by scott snyder it's wonderful but it kind of revolves around that underwater creature kind of stuff but contrasting that with bigfoot reports and how they would be i guess comparable or contradictory one from the other i can't really think of anything like all cryptid reports still i mean like i understand like Like you said before we started recording, some some of these are more paranormal in nature, et cetera, et cetera. But like, still at their heart, all cryptozoology revolves around people seeing unknown creatures, and then other people setting out to explore what those creatures might be if they exist. Yeah,
1: yeah. And another commonality they would have is that they sort of they're on a continuum between sort of mundane sightings, if you can call them that all the way up to, you know, just the extremely strange type of sightings. You know, and mundane, I would say, would be the like the classic three humps in the water or just something breaks the surface and it looks really big, all the way up to the, the type of reports that really baffle me, which would include like in this case of Champ, where you have somebody saying that they had a very good look at Champ actually coming ashore. Did you see that? There, that was on a Monster Quest episode where Champ comes ashore and sort of stands under a light on a telephone pole outside of this the person's um, hotel or home or something like that, and she's looking out the window. And that happened not once but twice. And it, evidently, she claims it was two different creatures. So there's this, there's a continuum too of high strangeness, I guess. I mean, I would call champ on shore you know waddling ashore high strangeness um champ just as you Ch-
0: sorry champ has no, that ahead. photo too of the of the creature yeah. and 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 that right. seems to be close to shore right like she was on land or is that further out i may be well, wrong Well,
1: see there's a huge debate about that okay. and i think part of the problem is she doesn't exactly remember where the photograph was taken so there's there's really no way to conclusively estimate that today hmm. and uh, so that you know that's the whole the mancy photograph right and there's just the, there's no way to compare it to anything so it's 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 a fascinating photograph but it's just really hard to make any of those calculations um she i, I think her initial report was that it was seven to eight feet out of the water hmm. And but again,
0: there—what is there to corroborate that? Really, nothing, right? I uh, also wanted to mention the just because I love the the tales of the Flatwood Woods Monster, which is this highly unusual uh, upper body, seemingly reptilian in nature, lower body, some sort of uh, floating cylindrical base um, that was seen near. Uh, uh, it's not Flatwoods. What is that? I mean, the, the actual it, town is called like the Brax, Braxton County. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Braxton
1: County. It's known yeah. as
0: the Braxton County monster actually, but mm-hmm. it has kind of been termed the, the Flatwoods monster since. But a uh, strange story. I actually work with a lady from uh, Braxton County and she's an older lady and she does recall a, uh, she, I don't think she would recall this actually happening, but she recalls growing up and hearing stories of it her whole life. Um, and when she found out I was, you know, doing this into this Bigfoot stuff, the first thing she talked to me about was the Flatwoods Monster. But the Flatwoods mm-hmm. Monster is this, I mean, you want to cr- contrast in like Bigfoot stories. I'm sure there's Bigfoot stories like this, um, but this is like the most bizarre story where it's, it's insane kind of possibly there's a UFO connection here too. Cause there were strange light scene and then they found this unusual mm-hmm. creature, but it approached, I mean, how many, it's like seven people that it approached and right. And it kind of, a lot of kids, wasn't it? Right. A lot of children. It, I think it was the... like five kids and then two older people or something like that. I just mm-hmm. was doing some reading on this, but, but It does contrast the Bigfoot reports because it became this, I mean, I guess when I say contrast, it actually mimics some of the famous, like, older small town monster type reports where it becomes this local legend and people Mm -hmm. go out hunting. And I'm not super uh, educated on the Flatwoods monster case. Is that the only sighting? Like, I was under the impression that more people saw it over the course of that night. There was that initial sighting and then wasn't there more after that? You know, I, I have to say I'm not sure. Yeah. I
1: always, in my mind, I think it that was the major sighting. Right. There may have been some other um, lights in the sky reports, but I don't know that the creature was seen by more than one group. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, was there some type of gas or something that...
0: Yeah, supposedly, you know, like, it approached them emitting this gas. gas, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it made some of them sick... Um, possibly even they, someone might have died eventually from it or something like that. There's some really odd things connected with this case. And obviously uh, that area of West Virginia is associated with odd kind of, I mean, even Bigfoot, you know, reports in that because that's not that far from Pennsylvania, which is home of the silent invasion um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So it's, it's maybe, I often wonder if this, and this is this is a bit of a leap, but I often wonder if that that these kind of stories aren't somehow attributed to just like local military people having a laugh at Mm -hmm. at like the locals' expense.
1: Sure. Well, that has to cross your mind, Mm -hmm. I think, at some point. Right. I think again, the you're right in that Braxton County has embraced this today. I know. You know. My buddy Brian Borgman from uh,
0: Kaiju Chaos has little Flatwoods monster yes. creatures that he's made. I need one. I I yeah. was supposed to buy one on Minerva Monster Day, and I just ran out of time.
1: Yeah, and he's got those in the Braxton, like the Braxton County Visitor Center yep. or something. That's what they he carry told them me. now. Yeah. yeah, and I know, you know stopping at a at a rest stop, the Tamarack big deal. Uh, if you go down seven you know expressway 77 they've got all kinds of west virginia art and crafts and hats and t-shirts and stuff and i actually picked up a book about the flatwoods monster at that rest stop area so they are definitely conscious of the fact that there's people who at least who are passing through who are still interested in that story
0: Mm -hmm. and I mean, as I'm thinking of all these, because we also have Mothman, which is like this traditional flying, not traditional, but a very untraditional flying creature that has no head and looks like this, I mean, they call it the Mothman, but its its it always reminded me of that one monster that was on... Uh, Looney Tunes who was in the castle you know who I'm talking about but with wings like it's that's yeah physically I don't know what that creature, character's name is but that's what it always reminded me of but it's got these glowing red eyes which is every every report that I'm thinking of somehow does ha- have a callback to Bigfoot so I almost want to ask you like what sets B- Bigfoot apart from any other cryptid and I mean obviously for me it's the fact that there are so many reports of these upright walking, hair covered ape like creatures, and and that might be what sets it apart because because like Flatwoods was seen this one time through this one period, never seen again. Same thing mm-hmm. could kind of hold true for other cryptids like Lizard Man, and I mean there were ongoing Lizardman reports, but. Um, the Flatwoods Monster, Mothman, all those, they seem to be kind of a one-off thing, or if not a one-off, then, it you know, not as much. The, the exception would be Lake Monsters, but those don't all physically resemble each other either.
1: Yeah, and it's like there's a flap and then they're gone or, or something like that, whereas the the Bigfoot tends to... I mean, they those go in flaps too, but there tends to be more... Consistent sightings of them. I know the other thing too that I wanted to bring up is, you know, once you turn the corner into Mothman, uh, now, you know, there's some debate. I think about how how much does Mothman really fit into the cryptid moniker? If you're using cryptid to indicate an undiscovered animal, I mean, I think the Mothman is, you know, there's definite occult undertones to mothman and the deeper you get into that the more bizarre it really becomes to where mothman is seen by some as sort of a a harbinger of some terrible event that's about to happen in the case of point pleasant it was the silver bridge collapse mm. and other things of of that nature um the same could be said for uh, dogman where You know, a lot of the reports that are taken and the theories that are bandied about with Dogman seem to have a lot more to do with paranormal or uh, supernatural occult, if you will. Uh, that, That There's a connection there because when people seem to see Dogman, there's a sense of menace with that or they're seen in graveyards, you know, trying to dig stuff up and uttering weird sounds that almost sound like speech. And that's a definite contrast to me um, between Bigfoot and like a mothman or a dogman because there really doesn't seem to be that same sort of uh, occult undertones to Bigfoot. If anything, the contrast is that for the most part, Bigfoot seems like uh, very natural. You know, the, the woods are his natural surroundings and there's nothing... Although you don't expect to see him uh as a human being there there doesn't seem to be anything weird about the fact that he's
0: there in the woods uh, It seems like a, sort of obvious fit right <clears throat> whereas a giant f- a flying moth creature uh in the middle of a small uh American rural town <laughs> it's a little <laughs> little bizarre yeah. and it's yeah. uh, again it's to me it's always been the fact that these Bigfoot type reports are so there's there's just this general ongoing nature of them, whether it would be physical traits or, or actions or whatever. I mean, like, there's just so many things about these sightings that carry over from one to the next. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to make it something it isn't because there are things that don't line up. You know, one guy says he sees a Bigfoot uh, hiding behind a tree and another guy's talking about a bigfoot, you know, running at him or something like that, and you've got this contrast of like is it an elusive creature or is it, you know, a, a violent, you know, that kind of thing. Um and, and in fact, like that sort of thing is why I find the extremely violent bigfoot reports so ridiculous. And I know we talked about this on the aggressive bigfoot encounter episode, but like the idea of bigfoots that are evil and chasing people down and murdering them in the woods does not Makes sense to me. How does that creature stay hidden? Um, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I I totally agree. And the 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 physical traits. Um, you, you know, when you when you look at reports of, when you look at reports of like I was saying, lake monsters. Lake monsters are so there. There do seem to be specific types, but there's still so many different types. Like there's sometimes they have scales. Some people claim they see fur. Like. The you know like the almost like a horse like a swimming mm-hmm. horse I've actually heard that description with fur right and you've they've got the the um what do you call those the the not scales but the triangular kind of humps pointing off the the back i mean i guess that would be well, scales but you know scales what scales I mean. yeah if only durschel, our if only our listeners right if only our listeners could see me just waving my hands around <laughs> yeah. right now as i'm trying to verbalize this but there's <laughs> there's this uh, uh all the reports seem to be so different you know you've got the snake type underwater creatures and mm-hmm. you know there's they're coming up on land or they're not coming up on land
1: or, yeah and that would seem to argue to for, you know, misidentification maybe mm-hmm. of existing things or unusually large fish or, or just the the disparity of them. It's a great point is that you have everything from something that could be mam, you know, could be a mammal mm-hmm. or it could be a real big fish or an eel of some sort that have just grown to large proportions. So there really is no uniform lake monster per se and uh you know i think some of the better books on the subject have acknowledged that point um that you're not there you know it's not as if the plesiosaur hypothesis is is going to hold in every case it just doesn't it's
0: more complex of a picture than that the champ settings seem to be like it seems like the physical description of champ seems to be like a a common trait like everyone kind of describes it similar right am i wrong about that one no that's correct and i guess ogopogo would be too because ogopogo is always described as the serpentine serpent like creature you know massive Mm -hmm. humps kind of going through the water but i think there's actually an episode of something or or one of these tv documentaries where they talk about the disparity in uh recountings of what this thing looks like these underwater creatures look like whereas with Bigfoot it's an upright walking hairy creature that's you know anywhere from six to ten feet tall and and even some of the odder the more strange aspects of Bigfoot reports like you know we got done in Whitehall like we were just in New York uh working on the next movie and that that red eye the red eyes kept coming back up like that 's a big mm-hmm. part of the Whitehall story. the Red eyes and Brian talked to us about it, and you know the other witnesses talked to him about it. Um, the other witness talked about it, and Bill talked about it, and then I was given a key piece of information where I could actually listen to some of the original sighting witnesses, and they all talked about the red eyes so it 's like six people talking about these red eyes and I thought back to the to the Minerva story where it was. It wasn't red eyes. I think they described them as... I, I've actually been told a few different colors by, by members of the Caton family. There was red, but there was also orange and then even green. Um, hmm. But that kind of glowing eye thing that seems to run across so many reports. And I, I always think to uh, to um, the uh, B- the Bigfoot show where Scott Harriet talked about his sighting in the Klamath Falls area, and he talked about how the eyes... It glowed almost like an exit sign in a movie theater. I think was how he described it. Mm, mm-hmm. And I've heard other people use that same description. And I know it wasn't someone who would be aware. I, I or at least I think it's not someone who would be aware of that description having been used before. Mm-hmm. You know, where, whereas you have a plethora of cryptids being described in a thousand different ways. You know, the, I mean, chupacabra would be this perfect example where it's this this Probably chupacabra, and when I say probably, I'm almost sure it doesn't exist. Like it was described as one thing, and became has become something else entirely over the years. I mean, the initial descriptions of chupacabra were absurd. Like the goat sucker, it was this. How do you even describe it? It's like a tiny little, almost like a green alien, like an alien gray or right. something.
1: Yeah, and it's be- sort of. Right, with sort of lizard-like qualities, but but definitely the, the gray head, mm-hmm. the large almond eyes, all that stuff. Yeah, very bizarre. Right. And then it, it morphs into a dog. <laughs> when did that happen? I mean, that's the weirdest thing about Chupacabra, is that all of a sudden people started talking about it in terms of a dog with mange.
0: I can remember and when that... Dash cam footage first hit, you know what I'm talking about where they're chasing mm-hmm. the dog down the road, and it's yeah and and suddenly that was a chupacabra I mean that is such a letdown to go from an alien gray looking creature to a a dog with mange exactly, yeah, there's no comparison, yeah, so what does that say t- i mean to you, what does that say about i mean and i'm t- I'm asking you realistically here like th- put a let's put aside our are romanticism for the subject of cryptozoology. What does that say about yeah. cryptozoology in general, other cryptids? I'm not generalizing. I mean, I'm sure there's... I, I know for a fact there are undiscovered animals out there, so I'm not. I'm not necessarily right. saying all cryptids, but I'm saying a lot of these really fantastical cryptids as compared to Bigfoot. Like, what does that say to you? One thing I wanted to bring up in relation
1: to that is it seems like in the case of other cryptids there are very, maybe not very compelling, but somewhat compelling natural explanations for them. Um, In the case of lake monsters, you know, I already mentioned some of those. It could be an otter, it could be an eel, it could be a sturgeon. You know, large proportions, unusual, sure, Uh, but natural. Um, In the case of Mothman, and I don't necessarily buy this argument, but when that flap began you know, there were a biologist saying that it was probably a sandhill crane or, you know, they saw an extra large owl over their car and got spooked. Um, But it just seems to me that when when that falls then to Bigfoot, there's a struggle then to say, you know, well, it was just a misidentification of a known animal. Uh, There's just not a whole lot that looks like, a hairy bipedal human you know i think everybody has seen at least film footage of a bear standing on its hind legs and that is scary and startling but it doesn't look like what people are describing sasquatches as
0: and the history i mean there's not it's, yeah. it's not just a recent thing or a one-time thing it's a ongoing mm-hmm. history that's gone on for decades right centuries
1: yeah, so I guess that's what it suggests to me is that, I don't know, I think on one hand people are aware when there is something out of the ordinary and or it's just strange to them. And I think one of the things that we've gotten into over and over again in our conversations is the idea of perception, a human perception, and something that, seems out of place or unusual. I've never seen this before um, in a person's mind that can take on all kinds of dimensions and proportions uh where it it may in fact be a member of the the natural world. but if I've not seen it before, then my mind's gonna struggle a little bit with identifying that thing and Maybe one of the things we've touched on over time is that human nature has a way of inflating that to more epic proportions. So, you know, the, the strange thing that I saw in the water uh, becomes a lake monster when in fact it's just, you know, it belongs there and it's just not something that I'm used to seeing because I'm not usually out on the water. ¶¶
0: Join the conversation at facebook.com slash what. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at Seth Breeds Love. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswattmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. <laughs>